This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, y'all? This is Keeping It 300, brought to you by Blue Wire. Make sure you check out our team at bluewirepods.com. I'm Fallon Smith. My guy James Jones is currently in L.A. at the NFL Network, and he is joined by another homie of ours, former three-time NFL Pro Bowler and UCLA Hall of Famer Maurice Jones-Drew. What's good, MJD? Fallon, I'm doing well. I appreciate y'all getting me on the podcast. I listen to y'all every time I'm on the treadmill or elliptical, (laughs) trying to check out what y'all talking about. So it's always been good. It's good to see you and James uh, doing your thing. Well, he said he tunes in just to hear what I got to say, but, you know, he don't want to tell you that. Uh, number one, that's a lie. Number two, did you see, if you really do listen to us, then you heard what Dave Damashek had to say about you. Oh, yeah, Dave, Dave crazy, and uh, you don't don't listen to Dave. <laughs> Ain't nothing to talk about with him. Ain't nothing to, he, he, he was just lying. Okay, well, with full <laughs> disclosure, uh, I've known MJD for 15 years, so we went to UCLA together. I texted him the other day to see if he could come on the pod. And then he never hit me back, so I was a little salty, not going to lie. But then today, I text him. I said, what's up, man? You big-timing me? And he said, nah, I've been busy as hell. And you ain't lying. Like, I mean, you don't know what the word retirement means? Because tell the people what you got going on. Well, uh, I just I just got done coaching youth football, uh, which was nice. We, we, got, we uh, lost in the semifinals, so it is what it is. It was tough. But uh, during that, I, I work for the Rams, and I do NFL Network, and then occasionally some other stuff on the side. You know, I'm just trying to stay busy, trying to take over the world, Fallon. You know that. Yeah, but trying to take over the world, what exactly does that mean? Uh, I mean, whatever that entitles. I, I want to be like, you know, I want to be an influencer in, the, in this world. I want to be able to make decisions that, that impact our, our community. So, and then when I say community, not meaning just L.A. or the Bay Area, but you know, the United States. Maybe I should run for president one day. You just never know. (laughs) And he's chasing that moolah, too, that money, too. You know what I'm saying? The Rams paying him, NFL Network paying him after that bread, trying to take over the world. You know, that's what he means. He's getting the brain type stuff. You know what I'm saying? Don't you also have a a training facility? I do have a a training facility in the Bay Area, uh, which is probably the the biggest headache I have. But... um, it's a facility where we train uh, kids from the age of six to and people to the age of 88, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, started off with 15 people a year ago. We now have close to 600 kids or adults that come through there on the regular, which is nice. And, you know, continue trying to grow that and trying to dive into youth sports. We have our own baseball team right now. We're starting our own hoop team. I know James, he can hoop. So maybe James want to come back to the Bay Area. 24-7. James will go back to the Bay Area and coach. You know, maybe he want to come back and coach a little he bit. He doesn't have so. enough patience to coach. 
You crazy. I'm the best coach in the world. I coach right now, man. We just won the 6U championship flag football with my kids. My kids love me. I might be the best coach in the world. Don't try to do me like that. I'm a great coach. Yeah, but if they weren't your kids, you are not going to try to coach them. Let's be Listen, honest. One, no. They about to do a segment on NFL Network on coaching, and it's a segment on me and my kids. You check it out. You watch, watch how my kids love me. Oh, she's a player hater. I tell you. Oh, my God. I can't stand you. But So you guys have worked together for about a year, right? No, me and, yeah, about a year. We don't work together for the last four years. No question. Since Oakland. We talk about yeah. Oakland, of course. But what is it like, uh, MJD, being on the broadcast side of things? I love it. I mean, when James, when when I, I used to call James and be like, bro, it's time. Come on over here and come come get on this side of the, the camera. Tonight. You'll enjoy it. Uh, because you're still around football. You were talking about something we love. And then on top of that, you know, you get to hang out with your boy. So I get to see James all the time. We do a couple shows together. Yeah. Um, as well as some other guys that we work with, like Reggie Wayne, Reggie Bush, Willie McGinnis, Terrell Davis, Rod Woodson. I mean, there's a lot of guys hear that you either played against or you watch playing, um, you watch play. And then, you know, it's, it's just fun. It's, it's just still that football atmosphere, that locker room type atmosphere. But what have you learned? Because I know, I remember when I would ask you for interviews at, uh, when you were with the Raiders, you gave me a hard time. So did James. We were, we were trying to, hold on, Fallon. First of all, we were, <laughs> we were trying to build something there, right? So I, I knew when I got there, like my role was to help like obviously play but also help bring these young guys along yeah and so part of that was you know being you know I can't give you all the secrets right of what, what we we're trying to accomplish there but it, it was it was a lot of being a mentor and a leader and and being able to you know hold guys accountable and then obviously I can't tell guys to do one thing and then give you tell you something else you're the media yeah you know of course saying? but that's my point so I didn't expect you or James to give me the the dirt I got my information elsewhere what I'm saying is as a, even a coach's wife, I mean, my husband hates the media, but he obviously loves me. Now that you're on the media side of things, don't you have a newfound respect for what we do? No. <laughs> I knew you were going to say I, that. I, I, this is what I say. I, I try to be, um, I always try to give it from a player's per- perspective because I think a lot of people, it's easy to come and say, oh, you're wrong or all oh, this is bad, right? Yeah. That's easy to do that, but there's certain there's certain things that that um, the certain things might have occurred for players to act a certain way or to do a certain thing that I have been through or James has been through or other people have been through. So I always try to see it from both sides before I go out and write an article or go out and try to trash someone on TV. Yeah. Um, I always try to be honest and fair with everybody. I think some people in the media they 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 come up across of a role that they want to have, and that role may be just to bash every player, and they're just going to be the tough person. Yeah. I think those people, that, that 20% of the media gives the media a bad name. And, you know, to piggyback off that, um, it's crazy because I had a conversation about this actually yesterday, and I said it's easy because people watch Shannon Sharp, they watch Deion Sanders, and they see, like, just how bluntly honest they are and mm-hmm. how they kind of dog players if you don't ball. And I said it's easy when you did have not played with this generation of players. Like, you have no relationship with them. You haven't played against them. You haven't played with them. So you can bash them. But as for, like, me, Jones, Drew, Reggie Wayne, like, we competed against these guys. We played with these guys. So it's harder for us just to stand on TV and bash one of these players that we have a relationship with, played with, played against. So it's harder 
for us from that from that standpoint. And that's the thing that I had to adjust to because it's like, okay, yeah, Devontae Adams might play bad, but at the end of the day, I'm like, man, that's my boy. I played yeah. with him. You know what I'm saying? We hang in the offseason. Like, I don't just want to dog him and bash him. Yeah, do I got to say, okay, he needs to play better? But I think that's the hard part entering in this media thing when you have played with all the players that are still playing in the National Football League now. Maurice, have you gotten any flack from any players like, dang, I listened to you on NFL Network and you was bashing me, bro? Yeah, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, we had the same agent, so that's been a guy that uh, it's funny. Uh, it was a time where I was here working and, and the other person I was working with, Ike Taylor, wanted to talk about Le'Veon. We were talking about the best backs in the league. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew, you know, Le'Veon was one of our clients, so I wanted to talk about him, but Ike had a relationship with him. He played with him in Pittsburgh. So he talked about him. And then uh, I talked about Matt Forte, who at the time, he was at the end of his career. But, again, just trying to show guys love that put the work in. And I got a text from Le'Veon, like, so, dang, I ain't the best back in the league? <laughs> I was like, I said, I said, Le'Veon, don't do this. <laughs> I was like this, is, like, this isn't the time. But, you know, I, I understand it from a player's perspective, too, because you always want people to appreciate you and notice the hard work that you put in. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to play football. And so I always try to – like I said, I always try to be as positive with people as you know as as possible. But there's sometimes where you got to be like, look, you're you're dead wrong for what you did or what you're saying, and yeah. you need to know that. And I, I think I there's wanna, a place. I want to I want to ask you this because I've had the same thing happen to me. I I was on TV and I said. Ty Montgomery is not an every down back. You cannot give him 30 carries. He will right. get hurt. And when I seen Ty, he was like, oh, man, you don't think I'm an every down back? I can't carry the load. I said, no. You're transferring from receiver. I think they need to give you 15 carries and a couple catches, you know. But I want to ask you from the standpoint of when you played – did you care what people said on TV? Like, I feel like these dudes is watching and they, like, really care what people say on TV. Like, people can say whatever they want about me. Aaron Rodgers ain't got no weapons. Aaron Rodgers, you know, I don't care. I'm going out here to play, and that's it. I didn't care what anybody – did you care or watch, like, and feel like, oh, man, when I see him, I'm going to tell him, man. What you, no, like, no, like, I, I never really worried about – like, I would hear what people would say, and I would use it to fuel me, obviously, but I would never go up to him and be like – Oh, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. Or, oh, you don't – like, to me, that's – like, all right, whatever, bro. Like, that's your opinion. That's exactly. what I always say. My, my biggest thing was, you know, I have a – I have a uh, my oldest son is a huge football fan. And so anything and everything, once he got his little laptop or whatever he could get on the internet, they would go on YouTube stuff, right? And so, you know, he'd come up and be like, oh, dad, you don't know. Guess what? Who said something about you today? And, and that, that was, to me, was more concerning, like – I want to make sure – I always want to make sure that when people spoke about me, it was in the best light. So that's why, like, you know, everybody's going to have haters. I yep. mean, you know, there's a guy – I don't even know if you remember him, a guy by the name of T.J. Simers out of uh, the old Orange County Register. You remember him, Fallon? Yes, of course I remember him, yeah. Yeah, he was a hater. <laughs> he, was an, he was an original hater. He was an OH. <laughs> original hater. And I remember being in college and being at the – you love this, James. Being at the um, – then Pac-10 Media Day, and he walks up on me, and he goes, so how big is the gap of talent between USC and UCLA? Oh, And I was like, ooh, I said, excuse, I said, bro, excuse you. <laughs> like, 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 and I looked at him like he farted, because I was I thought I felt. Like, bro, you just going to come in my area and change the air. But, he, you know, and, and I was, what, 19, 20 at the time, so I was young. and Yeah. Um, but hand, like how I answered that question, how I was able to handle with, deal with him throughout the year, so – 
it was funny. We went through our whole uh, schedule, and it's funny. I hope he he listens to this and he can hear because he'll remember. <laughs> we go through our whole schedule. He's like, "Up, oh, y'all gonna lose to Cal. Up, oh, y'all gonna lose to Stanford. Up, oh, you gonna lose to Oklahoma. Up, oh, you gonna lose to this guy." And he just went down. He had like seven losses. I would have got up and left. Oh no no no! I, I, said, I said, "Oh yeah." I said, "All right, I'll make sure you're at every game." Then he goes, I'll, "I'll make sure I'm at every game." So every game we won, I was looking at him like. Come here. Get over here, right? And uh, he doesn't go to – we ended up losing to Arizona that year but it was on some flukeness. We should have never lost to them. But um, they beat us in Arizona. And then he came to the SC game. So he goes, you know, I gave you guys too much credit. I thought y'all were going to beat Arizona. I was like, but you wasn't at the game, so we didn't play well. I hope you at this one. And we ended up getting trounced by SC. Uh, and this dude – when I tell you, when I walked in the locker room, like I didn't want to go to the shower and I was coming back from the shower. He was smiling. He was sitting in my chair. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get there, right? <laughs> and But I appreciate him because that whole season prepare, like, prepared me for the NFL to deal with all different type of people, you know, being able to handle the hard questions, being able to handle those different things, and understand that they have a job and we have a job, and you can still make it fun. Now, when I was in Jacksonville – you know, there's a bunch of haters out there like Mark Long. He's a hater, he's an AP writer. He likes to hate a lot. Mark, I hope you're listening. You're a hater. <laughs> uh, but there's one dude, Vito Stellino, who I really appreciate because he was brutally honest. And that's all you want as a player is to be honest. Well, at least most players want to be told what, what you can get better at. And those are things that we can do. Well, James, you were talking about how you can't believe that these players – really listen to y'all and really care what you guys have to say. Well, if you remember when we were covering the Texans game and we were in Houston, we get out of the production truck and we see Demarius Thomas. What did he say to you? Cause he said something like, yeah, man, I heard you say that. What's up? And like gave you daps. Yeah, no, he seen me because I was actually repping for him on the network. Okay. And who was on the show it was the uh, Monday night show. And I gave, uh, I gave him some credit, but I called him Bebe. Yeah. And he was like, man, he said, anybody call me Bebe really know me, man. And, you know, I gave him credit. So he was just like, man, I appreciate you giving me the shout out. You know what I mean? And just respecting what I'm doing out here, you know. And even then when he told me that, I'm like, dang, man, you know, these players really watching and, and, and listening to what people say about them, you know. And when I was playing, I didn't really worry about that or care about that, whether it was good or bad, you know. So yeah. it's just crazy to be on the media side of these players really listening to you and really care about what you say. James, just so you know, and this is something I heard uh, from a, a real high GM or executive of a team, they, every team has NFL Network on all the time and Sirius XM Radio mm. on the NFL channel. That's it. So everyone's watching, which is crazy, right? Yeah. But it's true because, you know, we're in a, we're in a, a world of perspective, how, how you're viewed by others. And so um, it's always interesting to see, like, I'll get texts from coaches or GMs like, like, why did you say that? I'm like, well, this is why I said it, <laughs> right? Or, yeah. or, or I appreciate you saying that type of stuff. So um, it, 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 it's crazy to see it, but it, it's true. But we got to talk about the Raiders. Yes, of course, we're going to talk about the Raiders. So both y'all obviously played for Reggie McKenzie, and despite their big win over the Steelers, they fired Reggie McKenzie. Was it, were we supposed to be surprised by that? Or no, no, you weren't supposed to be surprised. That's my point. But obviously the writing was on the wall once John Gruden was hired. I mean, this move was completely inevitable. Um, he runs the show. He's the head coach and the GM. That's what happens when you pay somebody $100 million. You give them all the power. Uh, so what 
did you think about this move? Regardless of his track record, you clearly weren't surprised. Reggie's track record was 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 a good one. I don't listen, when we and James first got there, uh James had already like after a first a couple times throwing with Derek Carr, James was like, look, he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And he had, and 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 Derek has had a phenomenal career. I granted the wins haven't been there, but you have a team that was really young that went to the playoffs two years ago, um, and you just needed to add some more pieces, and you needed to need them to stay healthy. I remember blocking Khalil Mack, our first training camp, and looking at James like he doesn't need to play linebacker. <laughs> he needs to play defensive end. Yes. Why? Why am I blocking him? We will never block him in a game. You should be like, no tackle. You got him. They can move like like that should never happen. And so. We knew at that time that, you know, Reggie was putting together something special. That was one of the greatest draft class classes I've ever been around or ever seen in a while where everyone on that draft class except for one or two got a second deal. And if they didn't get a second deal in Jacks in uh, in Oakland, they got it somewhere else like yeah. DJ Carey. Right? So so he, he he was doing a great job drafting. You go get Amari Cooper. Right? You go add all these pieces up. And so I, I felt like, you know, Gruden comes from the old school where they, 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 when you come in, no matter what happened the year before or whatever went on, and we saw this when he went to Tampa, you blow it up and you bring in your own guys. And being a, a person who works for the Rams and seeing what Sean McVay's done with the Rams, he didn't blow that thing up. Nope. He just reloaded. He just retooled. Yep. And got players to come in and help make made some moves. And so that's the way you do it nowadays. You don't go back in blowing things up because you never have enough time to rebuild it. Now, granted, Gruden has 10 years, but is 10 years going to be enough after you trade away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper? Are you going to find those guys in the draft? I don't think so. I don't know. Do you think that Reggie McKenzie's tenure then with the Raiders were successful? Because he came in in 2012, mind you, okay, 2012, and the notable draft uh, picks that he did have, let's start with 2013, that was Latavius Murray out of that draft class. 2014 is when you built your foundational pieces, obviously, with Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, and Gabe Jackson. 2015 was Amari Cooper. Now, 2016, 2017, yet to be seen. But to be honest with you, this defense has taken off since Carl Joseph has been back yeah. in the starting lineup. That's true, though. He's been He's been playing at a high, high level. But I look at it as you signed Gruden to 10 years. You automatically knew you were going to let this dude do anything and whatever he wanted because you signed him to 10 years and you wanted him to come in there and do it his way and have his way so he has no excuses. So I'm not surprised by the Reggie McKenzie firing. But when you got a guy that was GM of the year, 2016, yes. That brought in these foundation pieces, you were a 12 and 4 team. There's nothing in there that says Reggie McKenzie should be fired. I don't care if Gruden comes in there with a 10-year contract or not. Mm-hmm. You and Reggie work it out. Yeah. Because Reggie has done a great job even without you here. When I when we first came to the Raiders, like playing in the National Football League, you watch a lot of football. Yeah. And you know almost any player from any team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you watch them, you follow them. When I got to the Raiders – I knew nobody. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I ain't even seen these dudes play, heard their name. Like, no disrespect, but our roster was terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it showed that with your record 0-10, 2014. <laughs> but, but forget the record. There's some teams right now that still suck, but they it, just because they suck don't mean they ain't got good players. They suck. Exactly. We ain't have good players. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. You know what I'm saying? We had a like, lot of, I, I'll say, like, we had a lot of young players. 
Yeah. We, we didn't have, like, really think about it. Like, the only person that I remember, we had a lot of young dudes there. That's why they brought us in to be I'm leaders, just saying, but. we had a lot of people at a lot of positions that would probably be, like, a lot of our starters on our team that year would probably be fourth, fifth wide receivers at other teams. Well, special teams, guys. No, I, the, this is the biggest thing. Reggie was coming in off of another rebuild, right? Yep. And that's the problem. Yep. You can't re- you just can't keep rebuilding every four or five years because your house will never get done. Yeah. And that, and that's what it comes down to. And so when you finally have a guy, uh, and I, I, I see Mark all the time back at the crib because we live right down the street from each other. We always go to the same restaurants, and I always see him. But, you know, when – and I and I told him, I was like, I'm like, dude, you just can't keep rebuilding. Yeah. You can't. Right? So if, if Gru's the guy – he needs to do it in his vision, and then hopefully it works. Yep. But you can't, in four or five years from now, be like, all right, we're going to go a different direction. Like, this up. That don't work. Yeah. You'll, never, you'll never be successful. So I, I really feel like, you know, letting them dudes, them two dudes go. I knew this. I'll put it this way. I knew when Khalil Mack got traded that Reggie McKenzie was done. Yeah. And he should have just walked away at that point. Yeah. Because anytime you have a player like that, and we and James, we, we, were, in the, we were in the meetings. Um, as a rookie to play the way he played, to learn from guys like Justin Tuck and and different players, Antonio Smith and those guys, um, he was destined to be what he is now, yep. right? He already had the tools, but then he was learning from real veterans who know how to play. Um, to see him let – I don't care if he wanted $300 million. You'd give it to him. Yep. Because he's worth every penny, as we see now. Chicago now is, is a is – a, a playoff caliber team who can make a run because of their defense. Mm-hmm. And it was elevated because of Khalil Mack. Yeah, they weren't that good last year. They were solid, but now they're they're exceptional. Um, and everyone around him, he makes everyone around him better. And so when you trade a guy like that away, you you automatically are telling me that the GM has no more say so. Yeah. And, and then, then you go and you know, you double down with Amari Cooper. And now what he's done for the Cowboys. Those those type of moves you can't justify to me. So basically, you just you just got to believe in Gruden if you're a Raider fan and believe that he's going to do all the right things and get this thing turned around because it's his way or the highway, and Mark Davis is on board with him. Yeah, and I said that too. I agree with that with Maurice Jean-Jew. Once Khalil Mack was traded, I thought that was the biggest mistake, and I'm not going to get over it until I see what they got with these first two rounders because you knew what you had in Khalil Mack, and that was a first ballot Hall of Famer. And no disrespect, Fallon. Yeah. But Gruden's draft history isn't the greatest. Oh, no. it's terrible. We, we and James have talked about that actually on previous podcasts. And if I was Reggie, I would have saw the writing on the wall. I would have went to Mark and said, when John Gruden was hired, I want out. And if you don't want me bashing this organization and how it's run, et cetera, et cetera, I want you to pay me out and I'll sign a non-disclosure agreement and I'll be on my merry way. He should not have stayed. The problem with that, Fallon, is he has so many other scouts underneath him. He yeah. has all the guys that he brought in that he has to take care of. Like, that's the hard part because now you're going to have a whole, like, all those guys are going to get fired too. That's what people don't know. Yeah. So you got probably like 20, 30 guys that are going to end up losing, men or women, that are going to lose their jobs because of this one move. Yeah. So I know you guys have to go because you are at the NFL Network about to do a show. Real quick, little rapid fire. City of Oakland has sued the Raiders, so they don't have a home in 2019. Where do you think they're going to be playing next season? Ain't gonna be in Oakland, and it's not gonna be at Levi's. They're gonna be playing at the University of California. No, no, no they're not. That ain't gonna work. They, they told them they can't play there. They did. Yeah. Yeah. 
They're going to they play either in San Diego, San Diego or they're going to play in Vegas at UNLV. Well, they don't have a lot of time to figure this out. Uh, reports came out, though, saying that the Raiders will not share Levi Stadium, which I think is stupid because it's just for one year and it was built to house two teams. Yeah. But before Al Davis died, he refused to go in on a stadium with the 49ers in the first place. And so it's an emotional and prideful situation, I guess you would say. Um, and then the last thing is Amari Cooper. What do you think about what he's been doing so far with Dallas? Because he's balling out in Dallas, MJD. Man, listen. I don't, I don't know if him and Derek were on the same page or if he just didn't enjoy the Bay Area because it's not for everybody. But he's where he's comfortable, and you're seeing the guy that we saw at Alabama right now. Tremendous route runner, excited. And I think a lot of Oakland Raider fans have to understand, like, you have to enjoy where you live. You have to be happy to play this game. And if you're not happy, if, if the Bayer may be too much for you because these guys come from small towns or some, somewhere completely different, if you're not happy there, you won't play well. And you won't be happy. And you'll do interviews like he did with you, like five-word interviews, right? Yeah. But he's, he's happy. And it may not be because of the coach. or It is maybe that he just feels more comfortable in Dallas. Because again, he's he's in a, he's in the South. That's what you know. So he's just happy. He looks like he, he's excited to be where he's at, and he's getting opportunity. Yeah, he's getting. I targets. mean, his first his first couple years with the Raiders, he was balling. Yep. People were saying, "Dang, this is going to be the next guy up for a contract, Pro Bowl, young superstar in the National Football League." I broke down a lot of film on Amari Cooper. Super explosive off the line of scrimmage, run great runs, great routes. It's going to give you the separation you need this year in Oakland and training camp Gruden said he's the vocal point of our offense we must get him the ball they did not give him the opportunities in Dallas he's getting dang near 10 to 12 opportunities a series <laughs> yeah, exactly a series you know what I'm saying and, and Mark Davis yesterday said that he didn't fit the scheme like boy bye y'all didn't target him Amari is a player who should fit in any scheme because he is that good Man, they have to say that. You traded him away. You have to say that. They know. That's why they drafted him so high and cut me because he could play <laughs> in any system. You know what I'm saying? And he's a baller. So don't be saying that now after you drafted him high. We all knew he was a baller. Okay, so Maurice, I know you got to go, so I'm about to let y'all go. But since we only had under 30 minutes this time with you, we're going to get you on again, okay? Is that straight? We'll talk about it. <laughs> Man, Drew, Drew, Drew said we'll talk about it as he was standing up getting out of here. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Maurice. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. Have a good show, guys. All right. So James and Maurice are off getting ready for the Thursday night football game. We taped this on a Thursday. Uh, we're not going to post it until Friday morning because I'm headed to a holiday party, so I don't have time. Apologize. But um, Maurice is awesome, as you guys can see, and me, James, and Maurice have known each other for so long that we could have sat up here and talked for hours. So hopefully when he has more time in the near future, we can get him back on. I know he's trying to give us a hard time and say, we'll talk about it. I'll think about it. Nah, bro, you are going to come on this podcast again. Okay, whether you like it or not. And we're going to have some fun. I'm just kidding. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Keeping It 300. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate us, write a review. We can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and Art19. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. For James, I'm Fallon. We out. We out.